You're listening to The Support Report with Be Present, where we share real stories from young adults and how support changed their lives. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Support Report with Be Present. I am your host, Justin Peters, and our goal with this podcast is to bring you the stories that will hopefully help illustrate the unique struggles that young adults battling cancer experience and how the right support can go a long way in transforming this experience. Our guests today are Kyle and Jessica Javer. As you probably assumed, Kyle and Jessica are family, brother and sister to be exact. In October 2015, Kyle's life quickly changed when a golf ball-sized tumor was found in his head and he was diagnosed with brain cancer. Throughout Kyle's battle, Jessica was right along his side, making sure that he had what he needed to overcome cancer. And spoiler alert, he did. Kyle defeated cancer in December 2016. Now both him and Jessica are advocates for pediatric cancer. Kyle and Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. <laughs> so, so first, give me a correction on that last name. You actually told me right before I pressed record and then I already, I already butchered it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's Jobber. Jobber, man, mm-hmm. I, I just doesn't doesn't roll off for me. Um, well, thanks for coming on to the podcast, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, maybe we get things started with uh, Kyle. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the diagnosis? From what I understand, you live like a really normal life up until what was it, October twenty twenty second, you know, two thousand fifteen. And then all of a sudden, your life changed. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that story. Yeah, I was, um, like you said, you know, it was just kind of a normal life. Um, I was going to college at uh, Cal State Long Beach, and I was hanging out with my friends and just, you know, being a normal, you know, teenager. And I was 19 at the time. And so I was in my second year of college and I uh, went bowling with my friends one night and then the next day I woke up and my neck was hurting me and I was like, oh, I probably just pulled muscle in my neck, like, you know, doing something stupid bowling. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then like over the next couple of weeks, like it started, the neck pain didn't go away. It just kept getting worse and worse. And then like I started having really bad headaches and then I was walking on campus one day and I noticed it's like that I couldn't walk like a straight line and like. I kept falling over to like one side and I was like, Oh, this is weird. I've never had this happen before. You know? So I, you know, being a teenager, I was like, Oh, I'll go home take some Advil, you know, put an ice pack on and I'll be good. Mm. <laughs> but you know, I kept getting worse and worse. And I went to the ER one night and I was, I was dehydrated. So I was just getting fluids and we we're like, you know, we should do a CAT scan, just, you know, see if there's like a torn ligament or, you know, something. And I was sitting there after the CAT scan and I was talking with my mom and we were talking about where we're going to go to dinner because Jessica was actually just coming home from college. It was her birthday weekend. So she was, uh, her birthday was on the 25th of October. So we were all excited that she was like just getting back from the airport. I mean, she had just landed at the airport. Me and my mom were sitting in the ER and I just had this CAT scan and talking about meeting up with them and getting dinner. And then, you know, the doctor came in and, you know, told me, you know, the words that changed my life forever. And he's like, you have a golf ball sized brain tumor. Um, and it, it's got to come out immediately. Wow. 
Yeah. So what was uh, what was the initial reaction? Like, were, did you even believe it? <laughs> I, I thought it was a mistake. I was like, you guys got the wrong person. Like, or you're, you know, you're supposed to, like, I don't know if this is supposed to be like a doctor joke. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was shocked. And I was just like, uh, you know, it took a few minutes to really sink in. And then me and my mom kind of looked at each other and like, I think we should call my dad and Jess because they were in the car going home and we're like, we should give them a call and tell them that we're not leaving the hospital tonight. Mm. Wow. So what was the official diagnosis? The official diagnosis was uh, medulloblastoma, okay. which is a really rare form of brain cancer. It only affects like 200 people in the United States every year. 200 and, people? Yeah. And usually those are in between the ages like it's usually very young children who it affects. And for some reason I had it, I got it at 19 and they still don't know how or why it happened. But hmm. so Jessica, what about you? What was your feelings whenever you got that call? Um, you know, I'm assuming your dad maybe took that call or something and you found out you weren't going to dinner anymore. Uh, Kyle was staying in the hospital. Yeah, it was, um, I was on my way home from the airport. Um, I had just gotten, I went to school in Arizona. So I was driving home um, from the airport with my dad and my mom called and said, you guys should probably come over to the hospital. And then when we got there, um, she told us there's something in his brain. And I couldn't comprehend what she was saying. I was like, what do you mean there's something in his brain? And um, that was about the only words she could form at that point and um we went back to see Kyle and the doctor said the same thing you know he has a tumor in his brain and um he's not going to go home tonight and so we're gonna you know keep him overnight and watch him and um I just couldn't believe it you know like we've been a pretty fortunate family to not have a lot of illnesses or even get sick you know like a yearly flu we've been really lucky so that was um shocking to even be at the hospital in the first place and for them to say that he had a tumor was, I couldn't even believe the words coming out of their mouth. So it was definitely shocking. Wow. That was my first time in a hospital. I had never been inside a hospital before. <laughs> really? So Yeah, we were very lucky growing up. <laughs> Holy cow. So what, what happened after that? Did you, uh, was surgery planned? How, how quickly did you get into surgery? Um, so the original plan was to have surgery within the next couple of days i think they said they wanted to do it within the next three days mm. and so the when i was first told i had a brain tumor it was at night i was in the er and it was like probably eight o'clock at night and then um we stayed in the hospital and i think it was then, like a a friday and then your surgery was on monday yeah that was the original plan and then my brother actually had a friend who had a brain tumor. And so he, when we told him, he immediately contacted her. I was like, Hey, who was your doctor that did your surgery? Because she had a really like risky surgery and no one would operate on except for this one doctor who was really talented and one of the best in the nation. So and we contacted her to find out who it was. And then sent him, my mom sent him the email on like Saturday night at, like 2.30 in the morning or something crazy. And we were like, oh, we probably won't hear back from 
And we had an email at six o'clock in the morning, just a few hours later from him saying, be here on Monday at 8 a.m. and we're gonna take a look at this thing. And so we went to that hospital and saw him and he was like, he looked at the MRI scans that we did and the CAT scan and everything. And he scheduled my surgery for, I think it was that Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. It, it was Tuesday the next day. That's what it was because I remember it was supposed to be at noon on Tuesday, the following day. And they had a bunch of surgeries that uh, had to be pushed forward. So then I ended up waiting in my room like with anticipation from noon until like six or seven o'clock at night, you know, just waiting for someone to come in and get me. And it was like one of the strangest times of my life where you're just kind of like in limbo of not really knowing what's going on. Cause it was only a couple of days since I found out I had the brain tumor and then now I'm waiting to have like brain surgery. Like I was just going to school the day before, like, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. It, it, threw me for a loop and you know you just you, you didn't know what was going to happen yeah that that is crazy i can't believe uh that was your first time in the hospital and i'm assuming you spent a pretty good amount of time in the hospital there forward what was what was your experience like you know what what did treatment you know what did the treatment experience look like you know can you describe what it was like being in the hospital so i was in the hospital a lot i was like i think we added it up when i was doing chemo it was like over 165 days or something in the hospital um so i did after i had my nine hour brain surgery i spent a few days in icu and then i came home and i loved halloween so like i came home on halloween and my brother and sister and my cousins had actually decorated the house. I do it every year. I decorate the house for Halloween and I decorate the front yard and everything. So when I came home from the hospital, I broke down in tears because they had decorated the whole house. Mm. I sat in a chair out front and passed out candy to all the kids that came to the house. And it's one of my favorite memories that I have. Um, but besides, um, I spent a few days in ICU, which was crazy because, again, you know, first time in the hospital, so I didn't even know that ICU, ER, all that stuff was separated. You know, I had no idea what I was in for. Um, then I came home, and then I did 30 days of radiation. So that was crazy because it was – we did a, a proton therapy radiation in San Diego at uh, Scripps. Mm-hmm. And so we would drive down there every morning at like 6 a.m. to go do this. And um, radiation was just crazy. You know, it's just a room with a big machine in it and never seen anything like it before. It looked like a transporter from, you know, Star Trek, you know. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was, you know, I'd go down there, have my treatment, and I'd come home. But for chemo, I was in the hospital for about a week at a time um so i would go in and then i would have my the first day i'd just be kind of like getting settled then the second day i'd actually have chemo and then the rest of the days was just trying to get me balanced out you know like because i was so sick so it was just pain management and um 
but it was it was nice to be in a children's hospital because I felt like the staff and everyone was like super like fun and caring and like like really wanted you to feel like happy you know what I mean like that was yeah. a big thing the emotional health mm. um, so that was really nice uh, and special to be at a children's hospital for that and I'm I thank my lucky stars that I was able to go to a children's hospital. You know, I didn't know I could at 19 years old. Um, but it was really nice. You know, the rooms were nice. The, but I'm also, you know, I'm a six-foot dude. So when nurses walk in and see a guy that, you know, fits in the bed from the headboard to the footboard, you know, <laughs> you're a little shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I can't imagine. I'm, I'm assuming you're probably one of the oldest uh, in the hospital as well. I was definitely on the older side. Yeah. And that was, that was a hard thing at first, you know, cause all, you would see a lot of the little kids around and you would be like, Oh, I'm like the only teenager that has cancer, you know? And at some points you feel like you're the only teenager that has cancer, you know, in the whole country because, you know, it happens so fast and that have no time to connect with anyone, no time to find any information about it, like social services, nothing, you know, it all happens so quickly. And then one day I was in the hospital and that's where I met the AYA was because uh, there was this wonderful woman named Kara who, you know, would come into my room every day and check in on me and see how I was doing and asked if I wanted to meet other patients and I was thinking like oh yeah I'm gonna 19 year old dude's gonna sit down with a little five-year-old and we're gonna have a conversation about cancer in life you know like it's, it's gonna but then one day she brought in a boy who was 21 like and I was like oh my gosh like mm. so I'm not alone mm. and you know his name was Eric and he was awesome you know i'm still close friends with him today and we talk all the time and he's just a great guy but it really being at that hospital was a huge difference in like the emotional and mental health of my treatment for sure so jessica how about how about from your perspective um you know you mentioned you're a really healthy family you didn't spend a ton of time in the hospital probably don't have a ton of experience or exposure to cancer uh was there something that you learned, you know, watching Kyle's journey, you know, about the cancer experience? Yeah, I definitely learned a lot. I think at the beginning, I was very naive to what was going to happen. Um, and kind of, I kind of assumed that cancer was like in the movies where like you go during the day to get chemo and you come home at night. And um, I didn't realize there's a lot of different cancer experiences for um, the different diagnoses. So just learning about like how much time he was going to be spending in the hospital and that like, I was naive to how sick he was going to be as well. Um, mm. Like I knew that chemo was very harsh and took a toll on their body, but I never thought I'd see him so sick. Um, so I definitely learned, you know, a, it was a very different cancer journey than I thought it was going to be from the beginning. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and Kyle, you know how I'm, I'm assuming Jessica played a huge part in, in your support group. Um, you know, how did Jessica end up making your day? <laughs> you know, I think of one, it's one experience right off the bat. And I think nice. I can't wait for the story. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was sick as a dog. I went in when I started chemo and everything. I was 215 pounds. Like I was, you know, uh 
hefty child. <laughs> but um, no, I was, I was sitting in the hospital one night and I was so sick. I hadn't eaten anything in like a week and a half, like nothing through the mouth, you know, no, I was only getting fluids and vitamins through IV and mm-hmm. I was there and they were trying to get me to eat anything, saltine cracker, soup, something. And it's had to be like 9.30 or something at night. And I'm sitting in the hospital and Jessica's texting me because she's going to come over and see me. So I was like, oh, she's like, can I bring you anything, anything at all? I'm like, is Chipotle still open? It's like, no <laughs> way. Um, yes, I'm going right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you were craving, Chipotle. Yes, yes. For some reason, <laughs> 30 at night I was just like can you give me one of those chipotle bowls <laughs> so, so so Jessica you were great about you know checking in with Kyle were you were you in school still at that time you you mentioned you came back from school um for your birthday were you kind of back and forth between Arizona and and, and San Diego um yeah I definitely um i th- So I was in my senior year of college at the time, so I came back and forth a lot. And then my last semester, I got fortunate where I could do, I could come home almost every weekend. Um, So I did spend a lot of time at home. And then I graduated in May, um, and Kyle was still in the middle of treatment. So then I had that whole summer up until December when he um, finished treatment that I was there for him too. So Mm. um, I got a lot of time with him at the hospital. Yeah. So what, what was, um, strategy is not the right word, but, uh, I'll use it anyway. What was kind of your strategy or your thought process and process on how you could best support Kyle? Um, I never really knew. I think with Kyle, it was different every day, but I think the best way I like, I went about it was just like checking in with him. Like, do you want company there today? Do you want to just sleep? Like, Mm. do you want me to bring snacks? Do you want me to just come and sit with you? Like, you know, trying to check in with him. Um, I know at the beginning I wasn't super good about it and I would bring snacks and he was like so sick that the the smell would make him really nauseous. Mm. So I'd like open my bag of hot Cheetos and he would be like, get out. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So it just really depended on the day, but I think just the communication, just like for him to tell for me to ask about for him to also say like, I don't want you here. I just want to sleep or yes, please come. I want to just watch a movie or whatever it was. So mm-hmm. just the open forum of communication, I think. Yeah. yeah. The communication was like the biggest thing for sure. Like, and then, you know, me at first I was like afraid to say like, Oh no, I don't feel good. Like I don't want to see anyone today, you know, but then after a while you realize that it's really important to have that open line of communication to be like, I'm, really not feeling it today i'm sorry like maybe tomorrow you know and for that to be okay Hmm. yeah interesting um you know maybe a question to both of you you know our, our our big mission here is to support supporters you know how can we best um aid people that are are you know they have loved ones that are going through um, a traumatic cancer experience like this. So I, you know, if you guys had any tips or general thoughts on how to best be a supporter, you know, what, what advice would you give? Um, from a sibling perspective, I think one of the biggest things I learned was not like 
hey, let me know if you need something or like, what can I do for you? Just let me know. I think that kind of put a lot of pressure on Kyle to like reach out first. Like, Mm. oh, it's like a different, like he has to let me know instead of me. If I came to him and said, hey, do you want me to bring you some food today? Or do you want me to grab some like craft supplies on my way over? You know, it was like if I put the option out there, it was a lot easier for him to say like, yeah, I do. Can you please bring me food? Instead of saying like calling me and being like, hey, can you bring me food? I felt like that was making him feel like it was a hassle or like he was a burden instead of if I offered it, then it was easier for him to say yes or no. So mm-hmm. I think that was a big, um, from a supporter perspective, um, like, I think I also kind of experienced it when people wanted to help our family. Like if people were like, Hey, can we bring you guys dinner or something? It was a lot easier than them saying, Hey, let me know if you need anything because I never wanted to reach out and say, I can't cook tonight. Can you bring me food? <laughs> so, um, it was just a lot. It's a, it's a different, it's the same question, but just phrased differently. And I think that was a lot, you know, more helpful. Definitely. What about you, Kyle? Any, any thoughts that come to mind? What Jessica said is rings home, you know, it's very much about like the communication and like, even, even though it's the same question, but just asked in a different way can make a huge difference. Like there was like what she was saying, um, there'd be times where, you know, people would reach out and be like, Hey, let me know if you need anything. And you're like, well, you know, I need this, but I don't really want to reach out and be a burden to you. You know what I mean? Like that. My whole thing is just trying to get through this and I don't want to be a burden to anyone. Hmm. And so like when someone would say like, Oh, let me, like, can I bring you a movie? Can I bring you dinner? Like that was always the nicest thing for sure. And, you know, just like I said earlier for, a lot of my friends, it took them a little while to figure out kind of like, you know, like what's the right move. Some of them kind of backed away and was like, hey, man, hope you're feeling better. You know, hope today's a good day. And others would be like, hey, I want to come see you, but I don't know how you're feeling. So I don't want to ask you how you're feeling, you know. And then others just kind of wrote it out with me and I just knew that it was a day by day thing. And so I think that for my friends the best thing was just like you know just text me and just they would just say hey man hope you're feeling better like i'm available this week monday tuesday wednesday in the afternoon if you're looking for company i'm around you know just send me a text and i'll be there and that was like a huge thing for me was just to have that like not them being like hey man i'm available like you know tell me if you want friends you know or if, how you feeling like they would just tell me when they're available and they wouldn't be like hey i really want to come see you and kind of play it almost make you feel guilty when you'd be like hey i really want to see you and i only have like wednesday available you know it would put a lot of pressure on me saying days where i felt like awful i would, want to, I would you know ask them to come by you know and so just having that open communication and being okay with telling people hey i don't feel good today and people accepting that that's a huge thing and just being with okay with not being okay yeah yeah and it's probably one of the biggest things i've learned through my involvement with with be present and having conversations with both survivors and supporters um 
you know, it's got to be clunky. The communication has got to be clunky. So just get it out there and say what you want to say. You know, even ask, you know, ask the person like, Hey, how, what's the best way to communicate with you? Like, I want to see you, you know, what's, what's the best way for me to go about this, letting you know my availability and just being like, and you'd be a hundred percent honest with me whenever you just don't want me around. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, like I said, through all these conversations, it's, it's really starting to change my perspective on how I would approach something. Um, you know, if unfortunately one of my friends or family members um, wound up in an experience like this. So um, as we, uh, you know, come to a conclusion in this conversation, I would love to talk about uh, what you've done since December 2016. Uh, you know, it's been three and a half years um, since, you know, you actually beat cancer. Congrats. I, I uh, love hearing those stories. And you're now, you know, kind of wanting to pay it forward and bringing a lot of education and support um, to the, you know, adolescents and young adults. Uh, cancer um, patients that are out there currently. So, so what are you doing, and and, and what's your goal? Um, Jess, you want to go first? Cause I think <laughs> what you're doing is really. Um. Okay. Well, so since Kyle went through treatment, and I got to spend a lot of time with him at the hospital, uh, I kind of changed career goals a little bit. So, um, I decided I wanted to be a nurse. So I went back to school and um, I finished nursing school last August and um, now I'm working as a nurse in Mission Viejo. Um, So I love being able to give back in that way and also just really be, you know, like an advocate for patients, um, letting them know about AYA. And I think being a supporter is good for not only cancer patients, but all patients. And I think that my experience like really helped like for me and mold me into the nurse that I am today. So that's been super cool. Um, just being able to take that experience and like use it for the rest of my life, which is really cool. Oh, wow. That's, that's an awesome story. I'd love to hear that. Um, super cool. Kyle, what about yourself? Um, I was, I went back to school. So after treatment, I was able to get back into school and back at Cal State Long Beach and I'm hoping to graduate. Uh, this year, so yeah, <laughs> let's I'm go. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping to graduate with my uh, outdoor recreation degree, and I'm hoping to one day be able to take uh, cancer patients and take them outside and show them the world. You know, because I know that that's one of the things I missed the most when I was in the hospital was, you know, nature. So I want to be able to take patients out and show them nature. And even if they're in the middle of treatment, show them that they're able to get outside and be in the sun for a little while. So that's, that's kind of my goal. And that's why I'm back at school. Um, and then, you know, I'm still part of the AYA uh, at Chalk. I'm still very active in that. Me and Jessica both are. And we have prom this week for nice. AYA, which is awesome. But with all this COVID stuff, you know, it's been really tough to get everyone together. So it's actually like a drive-through prom. So it's mm. decorating like the whole valet section of the hospital and like cars get to drive through and like, you know, get out and take pictures at like different little stands and stuff, you know, we're, so it's, it's cute and we're excited to do that. Um, our family started a company too, to help raise money and donate 
money to people who have been affected by cancer. That's actually my hat that I'm wearing and Jessica's shirt, which was yeah. totally unplanned. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so, so what, can you tell us a little bit about the company and, and where people, listeners could find it? Yeah. Um, um, go uh, ahead, Jess. Not oh, no. Um, so we started like a clothing company. So we have like t-shirts and hats and bags and stuff, um, kind of like beach themed, I guess. And um, there's 50% of the profits are going to be donated to um, families and kids with um, who have been affected by cancer. Um, so it's called Local Brada. And you can find there's like an online shop, localbrada.com. Um, and yeah, it's really cool. So if people want to check it out, it's awesome. Awesome. And then what about uh, personally, if somebody resonated with something you said today, would like to get connected with either one of you, where's the best place for uh, for them to reach out? Um, you can find me on Facebook, you know, Kyle Jover, J-A-V-E-R. Uh, reach out to me there, send me a message. I love to talk with people. And I'm an open book. So any questions that anyone has about my journey or my uh after cancer experience or needs help getting back into school or anything let me know i know i have some connections that can help and um you can find me there you can send me an email at uh, k-b-j-a-v-e-r at aol.com i'm always checking my email so you can reach me there too yeah, and then um, I don't know if there's any siblings out there, too, who want to reach out. Um, Facebook is great, or um, Instagram is just my first and last name, so Jessica Jobber, um, and they can reach out there as well. Awesome, and I'm sure there's tons of siblings out there that are in a very similar situation that you are in, so I'm sure a lot would like to connect with you and learn a little bit more how they could best support uh, their brother or their sister throughout their experience. Yeah, well, Kyle, absolutely. Jessica, it was a pleasure having you uh, on the support reports. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your guys' stories. And, uh, you know, I would love to stay connected with you guys moving forward. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks again.